welcome. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. No, the honor is ours. The honor is completely ours. And I have to be honest, um, I came across you. I was just, you know, when you go to YouTube and you just start binging video after video and, you know, searching for Lebanese people is always interesting to me. And I came across a talk that you did and it was all about growing up in Lebanon as a stateless child. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know the term stateless, what is a stateless child? So any human being, whenever you're born, you can get your nationality through two ways. One, through the land where you're born. So anyone who's born in Brazil or the USA is American or Brazilian, depending on the laws that you have on that country. And the other hand is from blood. So like European countries, like Middle East, anyone who's born on their land, it's not considered mm. a citizen unless your parents either your dad or your mom are from that country, then they can pass you the nationality. So in my case, mm. I was born in Lebanon. You're Lebanese only if your father is Lebanese. My father is Syrian and my mom as well. So logically I should be Syrian and not stateless, but mm. you know, Middle East and Arab countries, my father is Christian and my mom is Muslim. And the interreligious marriage in Syria is illegal. So what they did, once they met, they fall in love and Romeo and Juliet decided to come to Lebanon because it was the nearest country. That's a sentence that's very bizarre to me. <laughs> if Romeo and Juliet really, and in, in the real story, decided to come to Beirut. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been bizarre. And then getting married in Lebanon, inside the church, this didn't allow them to give us the nationality, of course. Their marriage would never be recognized, neither from Lebanon nor from Syria. We were born, raised in Lebanon as stateless people. Me, my brother and my sister. Mm. Now, when, when, you, when you say, so, so you don't have any documentation, there are no passports, there's no ikame, there's no identification that you belong at this point to any country, whether Syria or Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what what type of like did you go to the government? I'm I'm sure you did. Did you go to the government asking for registration, asking for identification of anything? Like what types of things did they tell you in regards to you trying to to get documentation? So in Lebanon, you get your wasi et wiledi. It means your birth certificate. But this is just an mm. A4 paper unless you go and authenticate it in the government. So I had my birth certificate that proves that I was born in Lebanon my brother and my sister as well, but this document was not registered. So as a kid, of course, I didn't have no problem. I didn't know I had documents, I didn't have documents, but my first problem really raised when I was two years old, three years old, and my mom wanted us to study. How would you study? How would you be registered in school if you don't have documents? So. That's when she had to beg and ask for favors for many different schools until one Armenian school the director was a priest and he accepted us and he said, no, you're more than welcome. Children needs to study. So as a kid, I didn't have no problem. I had the same education, same teacher, same everything like any other kid. I started mm. to realize we're having an issue while I was a teenager. I used to play basketball and I was recruited to play with a professional team. Unfortunately, 
couldn't join. You as Lebanese, you know, in Lebanon, basketball is a big issue for us. <laughs> oh, I'm technically, uh, so so it's funny, I'm technically not Lebanese because uh, my mother is Lebanese mm-hmm. and my father is uh, is Finnish, so I, I didn't get the, the passport <laughs> as well. <laughs> So I, I feel the pain. I know you, you've had a harder time, so I'm not going to complain. But uh, yeah, please continue. Yep. So I couldn't join the team professionally. I'm as well one of uh, the scouts of Lebanon. So I was a member of the Guide du Liban since I was mm. five years, six years old. And then I got to a point where all my friends were going to a trip to Jordan and I couldn't join them because I didn't have documents. That- you can't leave the country. No. That's when the flag mm. started to go like, there's something wrong, there's mm. something wrong, I'm not understanding what's wrong. We started asking inside the home. Unfortunately, my mom and dad, they never talked about it. It was like a taboo issue inside the house. Mm. And then from Guide du Liban again, from the scout, I met a friend and this friend, her parents were really open to speak and to try to help. She became my best friend, Nicole, and then Nicole, introduced me to her parents and her parents at that stage I was 16 17 years old they started to ask all around and to help me to try to understand what's the real issue Mm. so we started asking lawyers many people SOS philosophers (laughs) (laughs) economists just every everyone everyone who can help everyone and anyone who can help i started studying the laws in lebanon like okay what's the law in lebanon what does it say laws in syria and then time starting to pass i started sending emails to all the ministers president whoever really can help I started Mm. going to all the political parties as well. I didn't mind. I was just, hey, can you help me? We know Lebanon is based on political parties. I was denied from all of them. I'm shocked. (laughs) I'm absolutely shocked. Mm. They didn't want to help you from the goodness of their heart. That that to me is extremely surprising. (laughs) No one really could give me any any answer, you know, no answer Mm. at all. Mm. And at that time, we started having the embassy of Syria and Lebanon. Mm. So I approached the embassy as well. I told them, hey, like my parents are Syrian. I want the Syrian nationality, whatever, any kind of document that, just, that proves me as a human being. And I'm not a shadow walking, you know, prove my existence. Because mm. meanwhile, life is going, right? So I applied for my terminal, which is the legal certificate to pass school and and high school in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. I passed. I wanted to study medicine. I went to the university. I still remember a Lebanese university. And when I entered to the registration office to present my notes and, you know, to present, to start doing the exam or whatever, the guy there in the administration, he took all my documents. He looked to them. It was so crowded inside the administration. He simply took all the documents and threw them on my face and said, hey, go away, go out. We're not playing here. This is a university. If you're Lebanese, you can study. If you're foreigner, whoever you are, you can study as well. Who are you? And this is supposedly someone who's working in higher education. So if anyone is supposed to understand your, your story and your background, it's supposed to be people like this. He didn't even allow me to explain myself or to tell him what's the situation or why I didn't present no documents. So I had to do the same path as my mom. I had to go to all the other universities, private ones, 
and of course the ones that I could afford because I'm from a very simple family. We used to live in Beirut, Burj Hamoud. We used to live in only one room, me, my brother, my sister, my mom and dad. My mom, she's a housewife, so she doesn't work. And my dad, he used to work, he still works as well, he's in Lebanon. He has his small truck, mm. so whenever you need to move things, he just goes and he's like he's the guy. a freelancer. <laughs> mm. And I started asking all around in universities until one specific university, AUL, they were like, you're more than welcome. You can okay, come. Nice. That was a nice change. So this is an endorsement for anyone listening who might be a stateless child. AUL is, is the place that's going to accept you. They're, they're the accepting bunch. Yeah, because my director was like, you have a certificate, official certificate from the government that you have your grades and you graduated. Why not? I'm not going to accept you. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're qualified. Like you're, you're not someone who's just coming in here uh, saying, give me a degree. You're, you're qualified to attend that university. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I know, I know to me, just go, going back to growing up and, and your life, you mentioned something like your parents kind of tried to shield you from it. They didn't really bring it up that much. Maybe to not let you know how difficult things were going to be. I know to put it into perspective to a lot of the Lebanese listening who have the passports, who have documentation, everything. I'll give you a list of things that for you might be, for an average Lebanese person, is you don't think twice of them, but for you were not feasible. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to go to a hospital, if there yep. was an emergency, I was, what do you do? I was coming to that. <laughs> because okay. in university, in adult life, let's say, the AUL, yeah. by the way, they don't have medicine. I don't know if they do today, okay. but they didn't have back time. So the director said, we only have this problem. You can't be a doctor. And then I was, I don't care. I just want to study. That's when I did business computer and I got my master's degree in the same university. Then to study, I had to work and how to work without documents. So I had yeah. to go. It was an endless cycle. Yeah. And ask for favor from everyone. Please let me work. Please let me work. And usually work. They pay you less and you work more just because you're the illegal mm. person inside the company. Yeah, let's take advantage of the immigrant. Yeah, that's 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 a great that's <laughs> that's a great way of thinking. Yeah, and then of course the health part. So I had an allergy, I still have it maybe, I don't know. Uh, when it attacks me, I should run to the hospital. So it's urticaria. The first time I got it, I was on a wedding, a friend wedding, and then in the middle of the wedding, I start scratching. I started getting all red and I started to be another person. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. Then my friends took me inside. They put me inside the car and took me to the hospital. Once we got to the hospital, they said, who is she? Where's her documents? And I was almost dying. They didn't care. They wanted to know who I was. Wow. And then one of my friends that were with me, she took her own identity. She put money under the identity and she said, please accept her. Like she's dying. So I was accepted under a friend name. And since then, every time I used to get sick, I used to do the same path. So I called my friend, hey, wow. let's go. And then I used to put her name, money, you Shit. pay money and you get to the hospital that's insane yeah so 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 living not only were you like living with the fear of 
no documentation what what that can mean whether going to jail or whether getting kicked out um but you you had this allergy as well which would require you obviously to go to the hospital yeah and you just you always the only way to get to the hospital was bribery which which i mean i'm not i'm a bit shocked just because it's it's the medical field you know you mentioned education now and and the medical field these are the two fields you think would be more compassionate i don't know any you see what i mean by this the people that would be willing to take you in but even even that had its barriers which is to me is unbelievable yeah for them it's bureaucracy so you need to present Mm. your documents so you can get in what about things like you know things that any teenager would do like going to a club for instance how was that process for you so this was a very difficult part as well and not only Mm. for me actually it was worst for my brother as a man that you know, mm. we had a lot of checkpoints, especially whenever you want to go out. So hawages all over. Yes, true. Yeah. So we were more worried about the hawages actor biktir from then. You know, if we'd be able to get in Allah to the place. Mm. So our fear was, you know, while you're driving with your friends, and then suddenly the police gonna stop you, and they gonna ask for documents. Usually, I'm a woman, so they don't really care. But if they're mm. going to ask for a man to see if he did his askari or not, then that was our biggest fear. That's why every time we used to see a checkpoint, we don't even really... Mm. Even nahna as women, whatever, me and my sister, we just try to go to the other way around, try to avoid it, try not to go out at all, just to be on the safe side. Mm. And then arriving to a club, Getting in, actually, I don't see a big problem in Lebanon. Yeah, yeah, you can get around it. You can definitely get around it. Yeah, I started to feel it more when I went to Brazil. Uh, I mm. had my proper documents, but I started thinking, imagine if Brazil was, I mean, if Lebanon rules regarding the pubs and clubs were equally like mm. Brazil. Every time you need to ask for a drink or you need to do something, you need to let them see your identity. Your identification, okay, yeah. okay. We don't have that. If you get in, you can basically sneak in a few drinks. It's uh, it should be it shouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, but enough for me. The biggest problem was when I wanted to get my SIM card. I wanted to ah, have a SIM phone. card, credit credit card. <laughs> I mean, all, all these logistical things that you need in, in everyday life. Oh no, credit card, bank account. Just forget about bank it. Account. I was Crazy. so away from that, and I didn't even bother myself to think about it. Mm. then i knew this was impossible and other than that sim card phone imagine i used to call radios i like to to participate in many programs and in many shows and i like to participate just to win and i was lucky enough to win several times from different radios and i couldn't get my prime so i knew eventually that i was not supposed to call and say my name is mahamamu i used to say hey my name is nicole Hawand and uh, i used to play and once she won <laughs> yeah she won a motorcycle class and my best friend she's too short and too small when she got there they were like why were you even listening to this program <laughs> oh 
that was me. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I'm sure they started to say, well, you know, you, you want a motorcycle program, uh, paragliding, skydiving. Uh, they're like, there's something wrong here. This doesn't add up. Looking at you, there's something very, you know, that doesn't really fit this system. Uh, but at least, you know what? At least you found a way to to get it, you know? Even if you had to use your friends as the bait to, to win these prizes or to go to the hospital or to get into places, I mean... At least you had good friends who were willing to help, you know, which 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 was a nice. It's a nice positive. Uh, or else I would be depressed and just mm. stop my life. The moment I start to realize this is not a life, and this mm. is not how people should live, and this is not. You don't have no basic human rights. Like the first rule of human rights is the freedom to be able to walk on the street, and I don't have that. So you don't have no future. You can't even think like, oh my God, I'm going to get married one day or, or I'm going to get kids. And then you just stop and say, oops, but my kids going to be stateless and they're going to pass through everything I pass through. Oh no, thank you. I passed that. I don't want this. Yeah. It's going to be like a, like a, yeah, like a statelessness inception. Like, you know, a stateless person within a stateless person within a stateless person, which is crazy. And uh, you, you mentioned something about, uh, planning for the future which i think is so interesting hello you know when you're, you're 17 18 it's, you're still at a young age there's you know a degree of adolescence you just want to go out have fun enjoy the things that any teenager does but there is always that thinking in the back of your head well maybe this is the job i want or maybe if i get a family this is the type of partner i want or this is the and you you couldn't even afford any of that and it and it passing on Obviously, you don't have any documentation to pass on to your kids, so they'd become state, you know, children of, of mm -hmm. a stateless system. Uh, registering them for schools, all the same problems that you had trying to buy property, you know, like you wouldn't have oh, been yeah. able to do that. So what was what was the thinking at that point in time in your life? Like, what were you thinking in your head? Like, I need to get out or or am I going to keep cheating the system? So okay. first you get so frustrated, you get so sad. That's why I got so sick. And that's why I say that my allergy is more emotional than really having something related to whatever I ate. Or So you get so frustrated, you get so sad, you try to figure out and to think deeply, like, what's the solution? At that time, like when I started to figure out that there is something wrong, I didn't really know that my definition, the definition of my problem was statelessness. I didn't even know that stateless word exists. Or what does it mean? Or, you know, because in Lebanon, they call you Bidun, they call you Dahat al Qaid. They have many different definitions, and none of them is correct for mm. my specific situation. Mm. And Lebanese people, they consider you Syrian, and Syrian people, they say, no, you're not Syrian, you don't belong here. And it's just this endless confusion between people and between society. Um, what well, did you feel like what did you like okay so you're saying the syrians don't accept you the lebanese aren't accepting you. what did you most identify with in terms of where you're from i was born and raised in lebanon so for me this is not even a question i so, i am so lebanese 100 percent i i've never been to syria yet even though i would love to go there and you know meet my family you know from where my parents come and all these mm. things but i feel more like i miss lebanon i miss go small things eating manushi, going to harissa <laughs> yeah yeah 
these, these, see these things, uh, these are, uh, I like to label them as like the romantic side of Lebanon. And it's the side I love. It's the side where it's unbeatable, you know, going, you said it, going to Harissa, uh, eating uh, seafood in Batroun or, or going to the mountains. And there's so much beauty and, and, and that sense, but I think in terms of daily life and, and feasibility of living and, and uh, I don't miss that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't think you did. I didn't think you did. And if you did, I would have been like, Lakey, there's something not normal with you. Like, oh, no. <laughs> because if, if you miss this side of Lebanon, there's you, you, you know, you might want to get checked. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, but yeah, the romantic side is definitely something Akid, you associating yourself being Lebanese is something you're always going to miss. Yani. Um, and it's so technically it's, it's terrible, but you can't come back to Lebanon, right? I do. I do. Actually, I oh, went can. there. Okay. Yeah. And 2019, on October, I had an interview with BBC. So they nice. invited me over. So I went there. I, I stayed there only for three, four days. It was so fast trip. Mm. It was so sad to be there. I don't know. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like well, what I thought about is I would come back only with friends that they want to visit Lebanon. So I'd be the mm. tourist guide. But I wouldn't come back just to be back for the sake to be back. Yeah, I got you. And in yeah. terms of and and so so when you so when how old were you when you left Lebanon and what were the circumstances of you getting to leave Lebanon? So it wasn't easy at all. And as you said, when you're 17, 18, as a teenager, you start dreaming about the future and you start thinking about, oh, I'm going to get my driving license. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to sit car. I'm going to do this, do that. And for me, it was, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Since then, I started asking around. I started asking all the people and like everyone that really can help, could help. <laughs> we got so many people. The last one I would remember was a person that took $6,000 from us and said, hey, I know someone that can do something and they can give you the nationality. And, and at a, a certain scam, yeah. point, yep, yep. At a certain point, you just get to any fake hope, let's say. It's not like we were giving money to everyone that tell us, mm -hmm. hey, I can solve this, but to someone that really gives you some proofs. Anyway, you never get it. It just, we lost a lot of money. And then I said, okay, if in Lebanon, I don't have no solution. Syria as well, there is no solution. What I'm supposed to do. There's something here I would love to explain. And the people from Lebanon will understand it. I usually don't say it in my interviews and you know, everywhere. And the people will not understand what I'm talking about. So as you said, your mom is Lebanese and you couldn't get the Lebanese nationality. In the yep. world, we still have 24 countries where a woman cannot pass her nationality to her kids. Mm. In my case, my mom, Syria is one of them as well, like Lebanon, could not give me her nationality. Syria is a Muslim country. What is this supposed to mean? It's different than Lebanon. So in Syria, as my mom is Muslim and my father is Christian, my father is the one that should convert to Islam in order to get married. My mm. mom, as a Muslim, cannot convert to Christian mm. because Syria is a Syrian country again. This is so important to explain to people because every time I try to explain my story to someone, they don't really understand it. Mm. Like for you, you, what, what, what? So what you, 
you're trying to explain how the religious dynamics have come into the situation of you ending up being stateless. Is, is that what you're trying to explain then? Yep. Because anyone and everyone who thinks if you're dead, converted to Muslim, would you get the Syrian nationality? Yes, I would. I wouldn't no. be stateless. This oh, yeah, was the you solution. would. Okay. Yeah, I would. This was the solution. Okay. But my mom could so convert can I ask to you how come? No. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So your father didn't want to convert to Islam. So his Christian, right? And you know yes. the mentality yeah. of Christian and Muslim. So for him, of course, my father has not educated. Let's say he left school when mm. he was six years old. So mm. his first challenge was that he's taking someone outside his society, outside his religion yes oh my god he got to a muslim woman outside his culture outside ex yeah 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 that was the i first think challenge. i think anyone who's arab l listening to this understands what you what you're talking about yep so they went mm. to lebanon once they arrived to lebanon he said okay i want to convert let's go let's get married it was the first moments of you know this craziness happening all he went to the sheikh to convert and then the sheikh was, why do you want to be Muslim again? He said, to get married to her, to a woman. And he said, no, for a woman, you can't do that. Get away. Get out. So basically the system, which, which, which we've, we've, we've fully established by now, is super patriarchal and is very anti-woman in, in terms of giving you your rights, what to do combining with religion the woman is always at a disadvantage which is we've had guests on here who've told us the same thing and given us first-hand experience and it's 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 crazy to me how backwards this is especially and it this we're talking what 10 15 years ago this is not that long ago we were still in the 2000s so for you to having to, for, for you to have dealt with people telling you what for a woman oh no the it's I don't know how long it's going to take for these rules to be abolished and what needs mm -hmm. to happen for them to be abolished. Which, it's which so is, sad which... to say this. It's so sad to say this. It's so sad to see this. And whenever I speak about it, I feel deep inside so sad because everyone thinks that Lebanon is so advanced. Everyone thinks that now Lebanon is different than the Middle East, but not in the laws, mm. in the people, in the mentality, maybe some of so. them. But Mish Lewinian, not the laws themselves. Yeah. The laws so, are backwards. The law, I mean, we, 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 there's a law we always, I mean, I talk about my friends and stuff, which is the kafala system, which essentially doesn't give any rights to domestic workers here. And it's, you know, you have the right to take away their passport. You have the right uh, to, to give them abysmal living conditions, uh, deny their salary if they, if they, it's essentially slavery. It's modern slavery. day slavery. And yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's basic slavery. And uh, you have rules like that, and and the you know what your example of, of growing up stateless is another example of of the laws that are tailored against, sorry, tailored for a patriarchal system. Yani these laws are fully imprinted by men for men. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Yep. Uh, from my end, from what I've been hearing with the new uh, secular political groups coming up something that a lot of these groups want to tackle is this subject a lot of groups want to abolish the law i think it's called a nationality law you would know maybe better than mm -hmm. i do a lot of people are trying to abolish this because as you said it's very outdated it's patriarchal and it it doesn't we've we've progressed with the times 
there and it's so mashist mm. um like it's so i don't know damn i'm thinking about it in portuguese sorry i forgot the yeah. word in english you know you it's uh, you machismo. mentioned Portuguese machismo like like picture for men for it's it's yeah. yeah because if a man got married to whatever foreigner he can whatever. give his nationality can give it, to yeah. his kids and then if the Lebanese sense. woman get married to any foreigner she cannot give her nationality to her kids then why yeah. not and look and, and look at the life that you had to live just because of the stupid rule do you know what i mean like uh, all, all the, i mean alhamdulillah knock on wood you've 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 carved out after all the struggle you managed to carve out a good life for yourself but you had to go through a lot of hardship and and something i did want to talk to you about is after this crazy experience of being a stateless child in lebanon uh somebody did give you a permanent home and did give you documentation and that is the flag you have around your neck which is proudly brazil <laughs> brazil for anyone who doesn't know so so how did brazil come about for you so for 10 years i started sending my story all over I started sending, I wrote my story and started sending it to all the embassies that exist in Lebanon, to anyone, to everyone, just trying to get solutions. At first I said, hey, I'm asking for asylum. This is, this is, this is my story. And then I started to, you know, have a better version of the story and adjust it. My first email, I still remember, I'm telling them, hey, I cannot play basketball. We don't care if you can't play basketball. We care that you can't live as a human being. But I was a teenager, I didn't care about other things. And then I started adding all the points that I cannot do as a human being. And then I got a reply from the US embassy saying, hey, you're stateless. That was the first time in my life I heard the word, or I read it, I knew that it exists. I approached the UNHCR in Lebanon and they were like, okay, thank you for your story, we're sorry we can't do anything. Then I adjusted my email, I started saying, hey, I'm stateless, can you help me? This is my story. I send it all over. Well, Brazil itself, they denied me for nine consecutive years. And then on 2014, they were open for Syrian refugees. So they were accepting application for Syrian refugees. And the person that read my story, they were like, no, oh, definitely we're gonna help you. Come get your passport. We're like, passport? Amazing. What passport are you speaking about? I don't have a passport. I don't have no documents. They asked us to translate some documents. They issued a laissez-passer, a Brazilian laissez-passer. It means one way you go from Lebanon to Brazil. You're just going to keep everything away. You're just going to keep everything behind you. No work, no life, no family. And where to go to Brazil? Where is Brazil even? How I'm gonna travel for the first time in my life, only me, my sister, and my brother. My dad had to take some loan from his friends and from everyone to pay our tickets. How are we gonna survive? Where are we gonna live? That was our biggest fear, but it was our only way out. So we were like, we're ready to the challenge. Let's do it. We started asking around, like, the only thing I knew about Brazil was the football team, right? <laughs> Like the soccer yeah, team in the Lebanon. Rivaldo and, and Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos, yeah. Yep, and the insecurity. Whoever we spoke with, they were like, no, Latin America, oh my God. Just keep, don't go with your watch. Don't go with your, I don't know what, they're going to steal you. Did you tell they, them, did, wait, wait, did you tell them that you're Lebanese? <laughs> like, <laughs> when, when, when you're Lebanese, this, I mean, respectfully, I don't think we, we're as scared as, as uh, you know, somebody from uh, Michigan or Wisconsin, Masadan. 
Yeah, but at the same time, the reality is totally different. You can't mm. walk talking on the phone. In Lebanon, I was talking on the phone, I was texting, mm. I was doing whatever I want on the, on the streets. In Brazil, it's different. If they're going to stop you at gunpoint, you have to give everything you have without thinking twice. Or else they're going to kill you. They don't care. So that was the only feedback we got about Brazil. So the fear went up. Where are we going to sleep? That was the only, like, I, my dad cannot afford to pay for us hotel to stay in the hotel until when. So How are we going to get a job? Yeah. I started looking on Facebook. I found a family in Belo Horizonte. And actually, again, uh, the scouts, being scout helped me a lot. And one of my friends, Guy du Liban, she went to Brazil in 2013 to meet the pop in Brazil. And she was hosted by a family for three days. So she told me, Maha, I can give you the contact. But I don't know them really well. Like I stayed only three days and let's see if they're going to help or not. I contacted them and they said, you're more than welcome to stay in my home. You, your sister and your brother. Wow. Three of you, you can come. We open our house for you. They are a simple family as well. And they started asking people for bed, for I don't know what, things that you can't even imagine. I personally never imagined myself being in such situation where I don't have nothing. And I had to adapt with it. So me, my sister and my brother, we arrived to Brazil. High hopes, right? I'm going to get my nationality. Hopefully they told me to come in 2014. And then when we got there, we started asking when I'm going to get my nationality. What are the next steps? What I'm supposed to do now? That's when the family, they started asking friends and friends. They started asking friends. We started to see what's the solution. And then one specific friend, her name is Isabella. Isabella, she studied international law. She studied uh, international law and international relations. She used to speak English. As even though you speak whatever language you speak, if you go to Brazil, you need to speak Portuguese. So now you needed to learn Portuguese. I was in a place where they don't speak English. They don't speak no other language. I used to speak four languages, Arabic, English, French, and Armenian. And I didn't speak Portuguese not even a word and no one can communicate with you like it's really big country yeah hey, no, you Portuguese. need to sign language and i don't know what you need to use to communicate yeah and then isabella she used to speak english so she came mm. she met us and she was to, she used to work as well as volunteer with refugees that they come to belo horizonte the city where mm. i was hosted we started speaking and then she told me mahalog I have two news for you, one good and one bad. The good thing is here in Brazil, you can ask for refugee status. They accepted you to come to Brazil because your parents are Syrian. And I was like, but I'm not refugee, you know, oh, all this, like I'm not refugee. And mm. No, I am, I was mm. to ask for refugee status. So I will get my work permit. You have to start working. The government, they don't even know how to help their own people. So they will not help refugees. No one helps you. No one give you no push, nothing. You're by your own. Second thing, you got your work permit. You start working. You start living life. 
and just thank God that Brazil is a little bit bigger than Lebanon. So you can just stay inside bit. Brazil legally. There was like, but when I'm going to get my nationality? She was like, the second thing is in the Brazilian law, they don't even have a definition for a stateless person. So there is no way to be naturalized as Brazilian. What this supposed to mean? All the foreign countries other than the Middle East, other than the Middle East, whenever you stay for a specific time, like Canada, if you stay for three years or five years, the US, some other countries, you are naturalized. It means you can get your nationality after a specific time, providing many documents, providing your birth certificate, providing many documents that they're going to ask for. And I don't have all those documents that, that they're going to ask for. So even living in Brazil for 4, 10, 20 years, I would never be Brazilian. That was a big shock. That was a big sadness, let's say. I was like, oh my God, I, I moved away from my comfort zone to come to a place where I don't have no solution. Mm. I arrived on September. On November, the UNHCR, the United Nations of Human Rights, they launched a new campaign. The campaign name is I Belong. Their goal is in 10 years, they're going to end statelessness worldwide. For me, it was, wow, this is it. Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I have a hope. I have a goal now, at least in 10 years, I know that I'm going to get my nationality no matter what, no matter, you know. I contacted the UNHCR Brazil. They called me in the same moment I sent the email. They were like, you're more than welcome to Brazil. You know, let's see how this campaign gonna go. It's just a new campaign. We don't know anything about it, but we're glad that you contacted us. I was like, okay, great. Let's see what's gonna happen. And you can count on me whatever you want. I started searching for a job. My first job was distributing pamphlets on the street. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did that. Because I needed money to live and to survive. I needed money to, to eat. Me and my brother, I had my master's degree, yes, but I couldn't find a job in Brazil. I didn't speak the language. And we had, you know, we started living our life, started learning Portuguese, living day by day. Then I got a call from the UNHCR. I participated. I did a small documentary to raise awareness about statelessness in Brazil. We did that. And then I was invited to participate in event for UNHCR. That's how I started to become a speaker. I started to know how to share my story and why. And I've been since then to more than 26 countries sharing my story with governors, presidents, ministers, all kinds of mm. people inside the government that they are the people that they change the laws. And they are the people that they really want to help. They have the goodwill. And I started sharing my story everywhere. Asking Brazilians, hey, you need to change your laws. I know it was way easier than Lebanon. Because they really change, you know, they really adapt. They really, if something is needed to do, we're going to do it for people. Yeah. And then... In 2016, I lost my brother. Thank you. 
so he was killed. They were trying to rob him at a gunpoint. He didn't speak the language. He didn't understand that they wanted his watch and his wallet. He was with a friend and he got shot only one shot. One shot ended his life and he died as a stateless person. At that time, we were recognized as refugees in Brazil. What this means? This means we were able to give him his death certificate. Because a stateless person, you don't have no birth certificate. Again, even if I do, this is just a document that I cannot prove nothing. Mm. And at the same time, you cannot get your death certificate. So there are people living their life, dying without the simple dignity to put, you know, a memory Hey, you lived here. Mm. The dream of my brother was to get back to Lebanon. We were only for one year in Brazil and we were suffering a lot. At least you used to have your mom and dad. We didn't, you know, like we just Your kept parents them. were still there, yeah. Yeah, we're still in Lebanon. And his dream was to get back to Lebanon. And we made his dream came true. We bury him in Lebanon. I don't remember nothing from this specific trip. He was 26 years old. I was 28. The difference was two years. Mm. And that's when I realized uh, I don't want to die a stateless person. I really don't. I want my nationality. I want to live a normal life. And at the same time, the campaign of the UNHCR, the I Belong campaign, it states that in the world, we still have 10 million people estimated and when i say estimated because there is no record for non-existence as a human being so you you have no way of, of keeping track of that yeah so i started participating more and more and more in many documentaries many interviews many places i was all over the place i started traveling more with unhcr saying hey brazil i want my nationality on May 2017, Brazil, they got a new law, new immigration law that has a full chapter speaking about statelessness. They have a definition of a stateless person and a mechanism to solve this. What is this supposed to mean? It's not like anyone who comes to Brazil and say, hey, I'm stateless, give me nationality. No, this is not how it works. And uh, me and my sister, we had to pass through all the process like any other stateless person the first one is to be recognized as stateless person so you write your story you tell them what's your story they have to go to the Lebanese embassy to the Syrian embassy they have to study all the laws and all the details okay you were stateless they're gonna recognize your stateless person give you a document and this document that proves that you're stateless I was like mm, I'm stateless I knew it I don't need document Actually, I need it. Finally, you've given me a document. <laughs> this document will help you to ask for naturalization. Mm. And then they had many other requirements. So I had to have a certificate with the Portuguese language. Actually, I do have two today. Then at that time, they were asking for one specific one. I started studying and all. Yeah, with, with your experience, you're like, Leiko, give me six, seven documents. I'll take all, all the documents I can get. <laughs> Yeah, but they were, I was going back and forward a lot to Brasilia 
to meet mm. with all the governors and all the Ministry of Justice of the people that they were writing this law and those requirements, because it wasn't so clear for them what this means. Like, okay, you know, the Shah's stateless, okay. First, I have to explain the concept. Then I have to tell them, I have this document, I don't have this other document, a stateless person don't have this, so I have to be so clear with them. And then on 4th of October 2018, me and my sister, we were the first ever human being that got the Brazilian nationality through from the law itself, stateless people, Amazing. to be naturalized. So so all that struggle eventually i don't want to even say paid off but got you the basic rights that any human being should have yep so today i'm a thousand percent brazilian i have my brazilian passport identity voting i can do anything i want i have my driving license i have all the basic right as a human being and if you're going to tell me, okay, we're 2018, 2021 now, already almost three years past, why I'm still doing this and why I'm still raising awareness and I'm still speaking about it is because my ultimate dream, if I can put it this way, is to see a zero stateless person in the world. This is impossible. I know that and I'm so aware of it. But at least if I can help to change few people's life, this is for me very big. That's why I couldn't just like stop doing whatever I'm doing and sharing my story. This is so important. And I really want to thank you to speak up about this and to really raise this awareness. I want to be clear to people. I'm not a president of none, no country. I don't have no magic to give nationality to no one. I'm just contributing on changing the laws in some countries. I already did in few countries, so it's not only Brazil, Argentina, Costa Rica, Panama, they have their own laws for stateless people. And I wish I can help more, but my contribution in this cause is raising awareness. Mm. And you know what's interesting is that, uh, I mean, the work you're doing is amazing and you as a human being are amazing. And especially when you finally got to that point of of getting your passport, of being recognized as a citizen of a country, given rights that you didn't have growing up, no one would blame you for being selfish and for saying, all right, well, for the next 10 years, I'm going to go and do all the experiences that I missed out on by being a stateless child. But instead, you've, you've put in a lot of work to keep raising awareness. And for that, I have a lot of respect. And, and that's Thank why you. you're, you're such an interesting person to talk to. And the fact now that all the pictures and talks people see you give you have the brazilian flag around your neck to me this makes a lot of sense now even when you go to the shower or when you go to the beach <laughs> i would keep that brazilian flag on because i i think it makes a lot of sense and you you spoke about trying to eradicate uh, uh statelessness and and mm -hmm. i think something from my experience in lebanon i'll take it back to here we have this thing where we tend to it's, it's xenophobia. We, we tend to be very racist towards refugees who fled because of war. And racism, not only from society, but from politics and media. There have been big politicians, big media outlets that have been very anti-refugee, blaming all the country's problems on refugees. You know, if it wasn't for the Syrians, Lebanon would be a lot better. I've heard this many times. 
and this rhetoric is extremely dangerous because if we keep this rhetoric in our country and we don't fight it then stories like yours will be more common we wouldn't want to fight for for people like you uh to give the basic rights that a human being needs so by you raising awareness getting the story out and i take it back to a country like lebanon this is something people need to hear mm-hmm. you know it's 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 so crucial that we change our understanding of statelessness of refugees being syrian palestinian it doesn't matter it's it's the xenophobic mindset it's a human being that's what i always say it's a human being it's not a political question it's not a religious question i don't care which political party you are i don't even care which religion you are what i really care is your human being is to look at you as a human being Put rules, have some laws that they are advanced a little bit. Everyone change their laws. Everyone, all the entire world, each country that they really want to be advanced. It's not only the technology, it's not only the people, their mindset. They need to change their mindset in order to take one step. To advance, yeah. Ahead. Yeah, to advance. 100%. And look, I'm not only proud to be Brazilian. I always say I'm so proud and I'm so grateful for everything Lebanon did to me. I was able to study in Lebanon. I was able to live for 26 years in Lebanon. I have many friends there and I have my dad still lives there. And it's my country. I always say that. I I will go back for sure as tourist. I don't know how much I can go back to live there. I'm not looking I don't think I'll let you. No, no, I don't. I don't. No, no, no. I wouldn't let you move back. Uh, unfortunately. If I can contribute in any way with people that they are really open-minded and they are looking for a positive impact and positive change, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's, let's talk about it. I had a bad, a little bit of a bad experience on 2019. I was invited to Geneva, to the UNHCR. I did the opening of the executive committee, me and the actress Kate Blanchett. She interviewed me in front of all the countries that they are part of the UNHCR, or the representative of the countries. I was, everyone inside that room were so shocked by my story. I got approached by many people that they were like, hey, I'm the minister of this country. I'm so sorry for everything you passed through. I didn't even imagine that we could have some people in our country that could suffer that much. I will go back to my country and try to help them and figure out some solutions. But the only two representatives that attacked me and I had other countries to come and apologize for that. They were like, please don't listen to them. Please, I don't know what was the Lebanese and the Syrian. And it was so sad. Like at this moment, just don't say nothing. The Lebanese one like, I can't believe she's so ungrateful. And all the time I was like, I'm happy I was in Lebanon. I feel myself Lebanese, but they don't consider me Lebanese. And he said, like, we have one million refugees, Syrian refugees in Lebanon. Yeah, there we go. There this we go. Totally different. There's there's look, I think by now, if people just discovered over the past two years that the people in positions of power in this country are completely incapable of logical thought of rationale and of progressive thinking yeah these these <laughs> these are the people in your country you want leading you if anyone is going to be progressive in their mindset and help cause change it's these people and instead you got yeah 
I'm not shocked is what I'm trying to say. I'm I'm not yeah. shocked and I and I apologize on behalf of our government because it <laughs> I I mean I I shouldn't be apologizing but I am and I'm just glad that your story does have a happy ending and you you know there was a nation that opened its arms for you thank you Ryan. and you have to know when i have a lot of lebanese people as well that they follow me they saw my ted talk they saw speaking about me somewhere and they do apologize for everything i had to pass through in lebanon and they do like they speak with me like we never imagined this but trust me mm. it could be your neighbor in lebanon that passing through this and they mm. they have no one to trust and no one to speak up and no one so my message what i always say is if you don't want to speak about your problem i totally understand you can share my story go ahead let people know that statelessness exists raise awareness mm. about the concept so people would know how to consider that and they say hey you're so positive yeah maybe i am yes i am it was me if you look to other stateless people, not everyone going to be so positive about everything they pass through. It's not yeah. easy to live this life. I just want to thank you so much for, you know, being open to share your story. I, I, I think it's, it's going to really impact a lot of people and open people's eyes because, you know, what's interesting is, especially in this country, we always think that we, we, the world is against us. This country is against us. We're living so poorly. And I think this story just shows that as bad as it is for us Lebanese nationals and citizens, not myself included since I don't have the passport, there's always people struggling way more. And I think I, I'm really confident in this generation because there's a new progressive thinking. There's, there's a lot of people our age who are trying to campaign for change and change the system. So I think... And hopefully more stories like yours will not happen and people will be given the rights that they deserve. So Maha, I want to thank you so much. Uh, pleasure getting to know you. Thank uh, you so much, Ryan. All, all the best. Take care. Thank you. Just one thing about the projects, future projects. I have my book. Oh, of course. Yes, the book, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was plugging I... myself here. I'm like, yeah, you know, check us out. No, 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 for sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so I have my book. For now, it's in Portuguese. I don't okay. have it in English yet. Well, like uh, you learn Portuguese, we can try from our end. That's that's the little bit of effort that we can put in. Oh, so I have it. It's all in like in 272 pages. I tried to resume all and everything I passed through because for me, everyone has the right to belong. That's mm. even my T-shirt. It says everyone has the right to belong, no matter who you are, what you're doing. And hopefully in the future, in the coming two or three years, you're going to see this book in different versions as well. English, Arabic. I will Not tell anyone listening. I will tell anyone listening. Yes. Um, by the way, if you do a movie, I want to produce slash direct. That's number one. Number oh, two. It's a little yes. bit late. I just, oh, it's late uh, for that. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. I just... just no, give, no. Give me... Give me an acting role. You know what I mean? Just let, let me be a, a tree in the background. Um, we can speak I will about it. We can, we can talk about it. Uh, guys, please, for anyone who's listening, I don't know how many of you are, but check out her book. Uh, even if it's in Portuguese, get the book, Google Translate, uh, take one for the team, or wait a few years to get it in English or Arabic. Uh, thank you so much. Few months. You're really a <laughs> few months. Few months, sorry. Yeah. Few months. All and the thank best. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anrami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a sellout. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at Fauda2020.